feel, but I can't forgive. I go up in this time, yeah, I won't regret. I'll pick the best on trip. They don't understand. I play to win. Yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, I play to win. I play to win. Play to win. I play to win. Yeah, yeah, play to win. I play to win. And welcome to the P2W Fantasy Podcast. Nick Scripp here as we are one week away from actual NFL football. It's wild to me. I don't know where summer went. I don't know how fast um, the season you know, has, has felt to fly in, but uh, very excited about uh, starting things off. I mean, we've been talking about football for so long. I'm a guy that never stopped. Following the Super Bowl, I continue to put out content, uh, week to week, and uh, you know, I know some other people took some some time off, some months. I, I never have, so I'm super excited to actually talk about something of substance, uh, something that actually occurs versus trying to predict the future all the time. But as we get into this next episode, it's the uh, the last mega mailbag episode of the off season. I want to make sure I talk about FantasyPoints.com. One-stop shop for everything you are looking for, fantasy football related. They have articles from some of the best in the business. They have advanced data that I look at almost every day when I'm putting out content. They have projections. They have rankings. There's a Discord you can join. They have different media availability. So go check out fantasypoints.com slash subscribe. Use my promo code P2W22 for a discount. Well worth it. So Mega Mailbag 3, I've had two before. I just ask, hey, what do you what do you guys need to know? And the fantasy football community on Twitter hooks me up. And I'm always appreciative of those that can ask questions for the show. It helps for a good podcast and it helps me uh, talk about different topics that I feel like you guys will find of use for this coming fantasy football season. So I'll read out the at on Twitter, their question in my response. There's a bunch of questions. I don't want to make it an overly long episode, so I'm going to try to run through these quick while dropping some good information at the same time. So at Trip Play Fantasy asks, do you think Mike Davis has fantasy value at the beginning of the season or the Ravens bring in another running back? So this was prior to Kenyon Drake not only visiting with the Ravens, but being signed by the Ravens. And a lot of dynasty managers were a bit agitated at the fact that they cut Tyler Batty, Beatty, who was a rookie from this coming uh, or this past NFL draft. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake and, and Mike Davis. I think, you know, this to me, some people have said means that Gus Edwards is further uh, than we thought he would be from returning as a back in the system. There was a video that came out about J.K. Dobbins. It looked like he was limping, but then he fired off on Twitter and said that he wasn't limping and he's not going to walk around like he's a robot. So Dobbins has a chip on his shoulder for uh, the the offseason talk that he's gotten about you know, not being ready, but there's a real chance that he's not. And if we're looking at Mike Davis versus Kenyon Drake, I'd prefer Kenyon Drake. Drake was a top 20 running back in all of 2018 2019 and 2020 for those specific fantasy football seasons. He's a dual threat running back. He's had two seasons above 50 receptions. So when I'm juggling between two guys, I want the guy who's had more than one relevant fantasy football season. I mean, Mike Davis, the big one was when he filled in for Christian McCaffrey and did well in Carolina last year in Atlanta. 
pretty me mediocre with his output for the fantasy world. And he was getting enough touches to where he could have been of some use to you. So give me Kenyon Drake, especially if J.K. Dobbins is not ready. It's a good offense to be a running back in. We saw Devonta Freeman last season have some nice games. I think Kenyon Drake to open up the year, if J.K. Dobbins is not ready or he's only, you know, 50% or 60% or 70% might be a good option to have on your bench. And if he has a good week one, Kenyon Drake might be some trade value for you. At Zcants FF, if Miles Sanders misses time, do you prefer Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell? So last season, Boston Scott, three weeks above 60 rushing yards. He had seven touchdowns on the year. He had an 18 and a 24.6 fantasy week. Good yards per carry. Kenneth Gainwell, on the other hand, pretty limited touches as a rookie last season. Six touchdowns, though, on just over 100 touches. He had 101 touches, so not a ton of work. Three, we uh, three weeks during the full season above 18 fantasy points. Four weeks of four-plus catches. The separation between these two, so you might say, hey, Boston Scott played more, had more touches, more touchdowns. I'd say there's a huge difference in the receiving work between these two guys. And Kenneth Gainwell came into the league out of Memphis, um, just profiling as that sort of guy who can, can can handle some receiving work and be a dual threat running back. And we, we love that for PPR. 33 receptions for Gainwell, 13 for Boston Scott. So big difference, uh, more than double but you know between those two backs for that category. I think Gainwell, in 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 my opinion, and maybe you'll say, well, you know, what makes you think you can evaluate these two guys? And, you know, Boston Scott's had plenty of good games. I think Gainwell's a better running back. And to have a guy who can do both, he can he can run the ball and, you know, catch the ball along with score some touchdowns on limited work. Give me give me a Kenneth Gainwell. And if Miles Sanders is not ready and one of those two are on your waiver wire right now, I'd, I'd, I'd pick up either one. At Mark Ringo 12, can Julio regain his old form down in Tampa with Tom Brady? So a lot of people say, you know, Julio Jones is washed. He was injured, you know, way too much last season. And it, I think it, uh, it, it, it played an impact on some people's emotions, including my own, because I made a big trade for him at the beginning of last season, thinking that I was going to have a guy that I can at least play my flex. I mean, Julio Jones, future Hall of Famer, a legend. So last season... Here's some some games that were not, you know, him being washed. It's a small sample size, but week two, six for 128, six receptions for 128 receiving yards. He had 18.8 fantasy points. Solid, solid. Five for 58 and a touchdown week 18, 16.8 fantasy points. Solid. Against the Bengals in the playoffs, six for 62. So not a bad outing, and that was the last time the Titans played football because they lost to the Bengals in the playoffs. So in my opinion, the issue is him staying healthy. When he's on the field, I don't think he's washed necessarily. And now we're in a Tampa Bay system that has Mike Evans, hopefully Chris Godwin will be healthy soon. Russell Gage is floating around there. No real tight end threat to have an impact on targets, in my opinion, between Brait and Rudolph. But Julio Jones, wide receiver 59 for his ADP. ADP refers to average draft position, a.k.a. where guys are going in fantasy football drafts. Wide receiver 59, 151st overall. Some people have said he can take on like the Gronk role, which I think would be interest, interesting. But I think if you are a 
healthy wide receiver with Tom Brady, there's upside there. We saw games last season that were very fantasy relevant. It was a small window, but when he's out there, he's good. And now he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to be the wide receiver one on the team. And when everybody's healthy, he actually will have the benefit at times of having the defensive attention on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So if you want to take a flyer on Julio Jones, it really just depends where he goes in your draft. Because some people might say, hey, this guy is an absolute legend. If he's healthy with Tom Brady, I'm reaching on him. Maybe you don't want to be that guy. But also you might have the people in your league that said, you know, he, he's washed. He's never going to be what he used to be. And I don't think he has to be what he's ever been in Atlanta for him to return some value in fantasy football drafts. So not to be, uh, you know, 50-50 on it, but it really just depends on where he goes in your draft. But I think he's going to have some nice flex value in 2022 if he's on the field. At Ain't Done Yet, who's a wide receiver going in round six plus you could see being a weekly wide receiver one this season? So that's a tough question because I don't think anybody is going to finish inside the top 12 that is going in that range. But I think you can have top 12 weeks. So wide receiver one refers to, in the fantasy world, a position player that finishes as a top 12 player. There's 12 people typically in your league. They would be a top 12 player. If you only have 10 people in your league, it would be a top 10 player. So Juju comes to mind just because of the opportunity with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen him making some bigger plays, so not just these short yardage plays in camp with Mahomes. And he has the full opportunity to be the wide receiver one. I don't like MVS. Sky Moore is a rookie. Michael Hardman's always just been like this super inconsistent guy that will have one good week and then like six bad weeks in a row. I think Juju could be Patrick Mahomes wide receiver one knowing that Tyree Kill is gone. He's going as the 74th overall pick. So I looked at players that are being drafted 72nd on. Elijah Moore, I talk about all the time, but balled out last season for that window where he was scoring, you know, 20-plus fantasy points. He had, I think it was 7 through 13 those weeks. He was the wide receiver 3 overall. I mean, that to me shows that last season he was performing to a wide receiver one level. I think he is the wide receiver one in New York for the Jets. I think he's got a massive opportunity to see a high target share. And if he's healthy, I know he left the season unhealthy, but if he's healthy, I really like Elijah Moore to be a guy that explodes this season. I mean, a hot take might be that he's a top 15 guy. I won't say he's going to be a top 12 guy, but I think he can have top 12 weeks. Last one is Michael Thomas, pick 80. So Elijah Moore was pick 83. Michael Thomas, pick 80. Three seasons above 1,100 receiving yards. 2018 and 2019, he had 149 and 125 catches. So where you might say for Juju, hey, he's only had one massive season. Michael Thomas has had plenty. And I really like Jameis Winston as a quarterback. I think he can do well. I think that he is a guy that, um, showed upside for passing touchdowns and passing um, yards through his, his past, not only in Tampa, but last season through his small window of games. But Michael Thomas, if he's 100%, we've seen him be elite for more than one year. Is he 100%? I don't know. That's the big question that we're going to have to ask and look and dive into because Michael Thomas, you know, is going to have Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave. Jarvis Landry, not the youngest of wide receivers. I think he's a competent guy, but I don't think he's going to like steal all the work. Chris Olave, I like a lot, and they spent a high draft capital on. But again, Michael Thomas, 
He's either, for me, going to be the guy that explodes and we're going to say, hey, why did we not value this guy way higher in fantasy football drafts? Or he's going to be injured. You know, again, he's been injured the last two years, and we're going to say, like, why do we keep giving this guy a chance? He's like that, that X that you're like, I'm not going to get back with her. Ah, I got back with her, even though it's toxic. Like, that's that's Michael Thomas. At T King Mode. Are you worried about Trey Lance after the Jimmy G news? So I talked about this on the Commissioner Evaluation Pod with John McGlynn on his show. I think it's playoff insurance. We have a 49ers team that has been very competitive the last couple of years. They've been, you know, getting closer and closer to that Super Bowl push. Now you've got a first-year quarterback in Trey Lance. I don't think Jimmy G is there to necessarily, you know, step in when Trey Lance is having a bad game, but I do think he's there to step in when your rushing quarterback potentially is is banged up. And I, I hope Trey Lance never is banged up throughout his entire career. But if he does end up missing time, you want a guy that knows the system. You want a guy that uh, can, you know, keep your team in playoff contention. And that's what Jimmy G is. I also think that they didn't want to sell him for scraps. I know that there was some restructuring going on of of money stuff, but I don't think that they felt the need to like just sell him for anything, sell him for like a you know seventh round draft pick or something like that. So I think it's a playoff insurance move. I think it's it's also a hey, let's not just sell him for dirt right now because somebody this season it sucks, but somebody's going to need a quarterback. Somebody's going to get injured, and and he might be the first name looked at to say hey, is he healthy? 49ers are like yeah, he's good, and then they're like all right, we're going to send you something actually worth your while now. At Jay Moeller, 05, are you worried about the Patriots offense? Reports are Mac and the offense are not prepared due to the change of coaching staff. So we know that Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the Raiders. But let's keep in mind Bill Belichick. Let's let's not take away, you know, all of uh of what the Patriots have done just because the offensive coordinator is gone. Bill Belichick has a career record of 321 wins, 156 losses. So that's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Fame head coach. I still like Devontae Parker. He averaged 15 points per game and was top five in all of receiving yards, deep targets, air yards, and total touchdowns back in 2019. He had some top 20 weeks in 2021. Still like Parker at cost. I think he's like going like 58 or something like that for the wide receiver position. I like Kendrick Bourne too is like your last round pick. Uh, second in total scrimmage yards for the Patriots in 2021 behind Damian Harris. Three weeks above 20 fantasy points with a rookie, Mac Jones. He has upside uh, wide receiver qualities on limited touches. So I do still like those two pieces in the offense. Ramondre Stevenson is very interesting because I think he can have some receiving work out of the backfield, but I don't I don't dig too much into uh, the, the Patriots offense changing and struggling, uh, especially because most of their offense seems to be a value right now. At Fantasy J77, what player that got cut will have the most fantasy value this season? Um... There's been more cuts since the last time I've looked and take you know took notes on this. You know, Laquan Treadwell from the Jaguars might land somewhere that he can uh, make some splash plays just because he did that last year with Jacksonville. Tyler Johnson from the Buccaneers is a young wide receiver that a lot of dynasty people have been in love with and hope he gets a chance. So we'll see where he lands. He's probably somewhere as this podcast um, is being recorded. Haven't you know dug you know too deep into that. Philip Lindsay for the uh, Colts, I thought was a weird cut because I think that, you know, again, knock on wood, but we just have to talk about possibilities of guys missing time. If Jonathan Taylor, 
you know, was the missed time in the Colts offense. You had a guy that had, you know, back-to-back 1,000 rushing yard seasons in his past with the Broncos. He's a hard-nosed running, you know, running back. I thought it was a weird, uh, weird, um, weird cut there. So I'm curious to see where he lands. I know I'm missing a bunch of other people, but uh, I just dove into that not too long ago this this past week. So we'll move on from there. Add John McGlynn, 75, is Isaiah Pacheco a real threat to take over the Chiefs' backfield this season and going forward? So, so far this preseason, Pacheco's had three catches for 21 receiving yards, 16 carries for 66 rushing yards. ESPN lists Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the starter, then Jarek McKinnon behind him, then Pacheco, and then Ronald Jones. The one iffy thing to me is that they didn't cut Ronald Jones, so for him to still be in that system, we've seen good Ronald Jones days in the past. Maybe he's not doing well right now, but I have a feeling he's going to work himself into some potential touches. Jarek McKinnon is a guy that did very well for the Chiefs in the playoffs this past season. I think Pacheco's just earned himself his roster spot I think he's earned himself some special teams work if he has that that uh that gore role from last season where he just like hops in and and changes the uh um the pace of the game and and, you know is a a change of pace back maybe maybe that's when you know he can see the field but I, I I just don't as of right now foresee him just like over overtaking both Clyde Edwards Hilaire who I think they still want to try to make into a thing or Jarek McKinnon right now. Maybe a change of pace back. I hope he holds off Rojo, because if he doesn't, then he's strictly a special teams guy. But the fact that they didn't cut Rojo, to me, is kind of interesting. At Bois underscore 22, which quarterback who has an ADP of 16, I'm sorry, of QB 15 or lower would you target and redraft as your QB 1? So he's asking, who is a quarterback being drafted somewhere, you know, 15 to 100 that you feel like could be your team's quarterback one for fantasy, so your starting quarterback? I won't dive super deep into this, but I've said in the past I really like Tua Tungavailoa. All right, so I'm a big Tua guy this season. I think he is an accurate quarterback that needs to just put the ball into his playmaker's hands. Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, those guys provide a ton of yards after the catch, which will add some receiving yard um, I'm sorry, passing yard statistics to Tua. At the end of the day, if he throws the ball three yards, but you know Tyree Kill takes it for 50 yards, he's getting that 50 yards. He's getting that 50 yards because it goes to his passing uh, yard statistics. Mike Isecki is a serviceable tight end. Chase Edmonds is going to be a pass-catching running back there as well. I really like Tua as a potential breakout this coming season. He's being drafted as a QB 16. I also like Justin Fields. I mean, he had over 400 rushing yards in a limited window last season. He's a dual-threat quarterback. QB 17 is his ADP. He played nine full games last season. In four of those games, he was a top 10 quarterback. One of those, he was a top five quarterback. Not a ton has changed. I mean, Allen Robinson didn't really provide much for them on their offense last season. Was it the playbook? Was it Matt Nagy? Was it Allen Robinson? We can debate that at a a later time. But it's not like Justin Fields lost a big playmaker. He didn't. They didn't really add much to him. But knowing that he's a talented dual threat running, uh, I'm sorry, quarterback, 
who can add those yards with his legs, which you get a ton of fantasy points for, provides a safer floor. And, and seeing that he had some bigger days last season in the passing yard department, he had a game with two passing touchdowns. He had games with you know a rushing touchdown. I like Justin Fields because he is a quarterback with upside. So, you know, we've seen in the past guys like Josh Allen have a big breakout season with, with a weaker core. He had like Cole Beasley and John Brown the year that Josh Allen broke out. Not comparing those two, but talented talented quarterbacks can make more out of their situation than given credit for. Last guy is Jameis Winston, quarterback 22. We've seen last season him have some good fantasy weeks in a small window. We've seen him be a top five quarterback back in Tampa Bay uh, when he was there. And Jameis Winston, he he was a bit limited with what he was able to do, you know, in terms of like airing it out. But I love the system. Head coach is great. Alvin Kamara, great pass catching running back. You got Michael Thomas, like I said before, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. I mean, just that that group of four, Kamara, Thomas, Olave, Landry. That's a solid group. So I think he's set up to be pretty successful. I think he's shown some upside in the the passing touchdowns department for the Saints specifically this past season. He had multiple, you know, passing touchdowns in a small amount of games. And I I, I like Winston to be a guy that can have some QB one upside during this season. At the fantasy gold, who is a player you might regret fading this season? The guy I've been fading at, at cost, so I don't ever just you know completely fade a guy. It's always at cost. And what's cost? Cost is where they are being drafted in fantasy football drafts. So I'm fading, you know, I've, I've, I've been fading Gabriel Davis. He's got a cost of wide receiver 25, which is ahead of guys like Jerry Judy, Darnell Mooney, Juju Smith-Schuster, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, and Drake London. I like all of those guys better than Gabriel Davis. So if I like one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers better than Gabriel Davis, then I don't see the need to draft him at cost, and I don't like his costs. Then I haven't seen enough of him for more than a playoff game, and you know a, a small amount of uh, of games at the end of last season. He hasn't necessarily been good at beating people out for his role. Right now, his role looks like he is the wide receiver too, though for Buffalo. So there's a world where He's a touchdown dependent wide receiver. He has inconsistent targets, and you know he he's a guy that that gives us a headache because he has big weeks and then terrible weeks. There's a world where he's that guy, you know, maybe like a a poor man's version of uh, Mike Williams, or there's a world where he's very consistent and he pays off his costs. And in that sense, knowing that he's on a great offense, it's a pass heavy offense. He's got Josh Allen. There is a world where I'm very wrong, and Gabriel Davis is completely worth his his draft cost right now. So, because of that, I think you know there's a wide range of outcomes for him. So I can definitely be wrong, and I'll say this on a side note: historically, when I'm wrong, I say it. I don't I don't mind. You know, I have a process for why I say things and what my takes are, but I also have a process of learning and pivoting and in taking in new information and learning from being wrong about stuff. So I'll be, you know, if, I'll be the first one to say, hey, I, I'm wrong. At Dynasty Coach A, what do you think of the Steelers wide receiver situation? Deontay Johnson, so according to Player Profiler, back-to-back seasons with 169 and 144 targets, number two in 2021 with that 169 targets. He ran the roast, um, oh, roast ugh. he ran the most routes of any wide receiver in the NFL last season. So one more time saying it correctly, Deontay Johnson 
ran the most routes of any wide receiver in the NFL. To me, that's important. Because if you talk about a change of quarterback, a change of situation, to me, that's important. He's ran the most routes in the NFL this past season. He took a jump from 14.8 to 17.2 points per game for fantasy this past season. With Big Ben, he had uh, an 8.2 A dot, so average depth of target, which was number 76 for wide receivers. He was number 40 in catchable target rate. He was number 18 in target accuracy. So those those with, with Big Ben, I, I think, were, were poor marks. Um, number six in yards after the catch. So, you know, he is a playmaker. He is great at getting open. He's great with his route running. I truly believe in Deontay Johnson. Uh, you know, I, I, I think people have faded him because of Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, but I truly believe in Deontay Johnson. And I'll, I'll take him. If he's my wide receiver two on my fantasy team, I, I'm, I'm all about that. The only thing you have to pay attention to is his injury that he just had in preseason. George, Pick, uh, George Pickens, the rookie out of Georgia, really liked him as a prospect. I was like praying the Bears were going to go and grab him, but they didn't. I'm intrigued by him. I think he's going to have some flex play potential. I think he beats out Chase Claypool, who really didn't do much to upgrade any sort of, you know, sort of statistical category for um, his his sophomore uh, season, Chase Claypool. He's been pretty unimpressive. I think he's going to take over that slot. I like George Pickens to have some splash weeks as a flex play year one as a rookie. I just think he's very talented, and his uh, his draft stock was impacted by his injury in college. At the real NFL guru, where are you valuing Mostert after Sony Michelle's release? So I'm all in on Chase Edmonds. I do want to say that I think Chase Edmonds is a guy that's going to surprise a lot of us as a pass catching running back and the guy who I believe will lead running backs in touches in Miami. Mostert is 40% rostered on sleeper right now. So he could be the guy that sits at the end of your bench. I mean, now instead of having a, a three-man running back committee, now you just got him and Chase Edmonds. So where Chase Edmonds might get the majority of the work or you know be 60% of the work, if Mostert takes 40%, he's a guy we've seen you know to be very, very explosive in the past. He's got elite speed. We just saw it the other day in preseason in his preseason game. So I don't mind just like putting him on your bench because knock on wood, something happens to Chase Edmonds. Now he is the guy in Miami and his head coach was his former offensive coordinator with the 49ers. So they have a familiarity with each other. I think McDaniels made it a point to go and get the guy that was in his old system and bring him to Miami with him. So I think that means something. So I'm in on Edmonds. Mostert is more of a, hey, let, let, let's keep him on the edge of our bench um, instead of just like a, a normal running back handcuff. At George Martin, 17, at what round are you no longer comfortable taking Damian Pierce? So running back 36, 102nd overall right now was his ADP. That was yesterday. So he, the running backs that were above Damian Pierce, who looks to be the lead running back for the Houston Texans now, now that uh, Marlon Mack was like cut, but is still like on the practice squad. However, you know, however that, uh, that works. Uh, Rex Burkhead's there. Um, who I've joked around and said is going to be the next uh, Patterson from last season. So definitely a joke, but definitely serious if it's actually, uh, you know, something that comes true. But Damian Pierce says tons and tons of hype right now. He's a mean, mean running back out of Florida that never got the work that he probably should have. Uh, should be the lead running back in Houston. And we want running back. Got cut off there, but Damian Pierce. So uh, appears to be running back one. We want guys that are going to see volume. And he is a guy that, 
should see that year one as a rookie in Houston. Some guys going ahead of him, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt, and Tony Pollard. See, my issue with, with like getting too crazy here is I still probably want almost all of those guys before Damian Pierce. I'm never, you know, I've never been a big Pollard guy just because I feel like Pollard is a bit overhyped because we're always like hoping he takes over for Zeke and he, he's not, you know, he's not unless Zeke gets banged up. Um, Kareem Hunt, I think, is very undervalued to seeing what he's done uh, in 2020 as a top 10 running back. And also this past season when he was healthy, I think he was like the RB9 the first X amount of weeks before he got banged up. Rashad Penny went crazy last season. Uh, you know, Ken Walker, the third, the rookie, he had a hernia surgery, so we don't know when he's going to really be back. Chase Edmonds, I love this season. Ramondre Stevenson, what if he takes over completely that backfield. Uh, otherwise, he's got some, you know, pass catching upside. So it's tough for me to say I for sure would take Damian Pierce over that group of guys. And then some wide receivers being drafted, you know, around uh, or right above Damian Pierce, Robert Woods, Christian Kirk, Drake London, Brandon Ayuk. So those are guys that I, I kind of like as well. I really, really like London. Uh, I've historically liked Woods. I think if he's healthy, he, he might be the wide receiver one in Tennessee over Traylon Burks. Christian Kirk, had a bunch of big receiving days last season, and now he got paid the bag to go to uh, Jacksonville. So I like Damian Pierce at you know his current cost. I'm not going to jump the gun on him just because I feel like guys that are above him right now, I wouldn't like pass on for him. So maybe I'll regret saying that later, but that's just how I feel about that. Last question, but it's not really a question, but at Chris Joel Smith, which running back on the Jets will have the most touches week one? So it's a joke because me and him were at the bar. Uh, we met at the Scott Fishbowl event at Bourbon Street. I uh, had some drinks there, hung out for a while. And, uh, you know, we went out and met in, uh, in Joliet, uh, Illinois, at uh, my favorite place to go to uh, on the weekends. Uh, Sunday, had some drinks. And he said Michael Carter is going to have uh, more touches week one than Brees uh, Hall. And I said, no, no way. Brees Hall for sure is going to have more touches. So touches is Carries plus receptions. Got to understand Brees Hall, 129.86 rushing yards per game, 2.28 receptions per game, 1.55 touchdowns per game back in college at Iowa State in 36 games. So to have nearly 130 rushing yards, score a touchdown and a half, that's insane. Like the guy was super, super productive in college. He was taken with a decent capital. Michael Carter in college was a, a compliment to Javante Williams at North Carolina. I think that's what his role is, just a compliment back. I know there was hype that came out that said Michael Carter is the running back one. I, I laugh at that. It's Brees Hall for me. So Brees Hall, I think, will surprise people that are doubting him right now and don't want to invest in him for redraft. I'm all in for redraft. I think last time I had rankings that came out, he was my running back 14. I'm not changing that. I'm not changing that as of now. So Hopefully that 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 uh, that cutoff of uh, an episode didn't get too messy there, but appreciate uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, we have football weeks from today. I'm going to be grinding out content, so make sure you are following me at P2W Fantasy on Twitter. I am nonstop producing all different types of content, whether it's live streams, uh, the audio version of this podcast, infographics, threads, just nonstop content, short videos. Um, all about it, all about it. Trying to help you guys play to win 
your fantasy football season. I'll be dropping my podcast schedule sometime soon before the season starts, which will start next week. So again, appreciate you guys listening and let's get it this season.